Blog Talk Radio. happened since 
that incident. We've also not had a driver die of a vascular skull fracture. Um, There's been a couple that have happened since then, speaking of Steve Park, um, and I believe another driver as well. I I can't mention right now. Maybe it was Ernie Irvin for the second time. No, I, I think that was the first time. Anyway, my point is, Every time that there's something major that happens in the sport, NASCAR reacts to it, and they fix it. The Ryan Newman situation back in 2020, that, that was, you know, what saved Ryan Newman's life was NASCAR had fixed something that they felt um, needed to be fixed. And uh, so, you know, as I've heard since Daytona, oh, we've got to stop racing these, this style racing. We, our cars are too fast. Um, you, know, you come off the words of Kyle Larson saying he feels safer in a sprint car than he does at Daytona. Um, guys, seriously, we just had two of the worst incidents of the year in the same race. Both drivers walked away. Both drivers were okay. NASCAR goes to the end of the world to make these cars as safe as they can, and anybody that doesn't believe that's crazy. And I've listened to podcast after podcast, and I've heard the concerns that maybe we shouldn't be racing a car that's not as safe as the other. Well, by gosh, there was people that got – Dale Jr. got hurt in the other car, right? It ended his career. No matter what we do in the sport of racing, somebody is going to get hurt some way, somehow. And it's just part of the sport. You can't take that out of the sport. So before we go and wish him that they would turn Daytona into a road course race and taking us off the speedway because it's too – quotation in the air, dangerous, I think that you should really realize what you're asking. You're asking to change a sport that is relished on the the danger factor for the 70 years it's been around. Of course these guys are putting their lives in danger. Of course the first thing out of Ryan Priest's mouth when he was able to get on Twitter was, man, it's time to get back in there and do it again. Right? I mean, that's the sport that we love. And I'm not trying to change it. I'm not trying to overreact. I'm not trying to not go to speedways anymore, super speedways, because of the danger factor. As a matter of fact, these are the biggest selling races in NASCAR. Joey Logano tends to believe that we should only go to one racetrack a year. I'm telling you, there's a reason why both races at Daytona and Talladega are sellouts or damn near. It's because of the show that you get. And before we get all of our panties in a wad and start overreacting to a couple of cars and some bad wrecks, one honestly flipped a long time. I've never, I, I mean, I, I can't say I've never seen a car flip like that because I've seen Davey flip down the uh, straightaway. I watched Rusty Wallace. I watched Richard Petty. I watched Dale Earnhardt. I mean, you know, I watched Bill Elliott. I've watched drivers roll down the super speedway uh, uh, straightaway, uh, you know, in the grass. And, um, you know, it never gets easier to watch. Uh, But thankfully, in most of these situations, the driver walks away because the car does what it's supposed to do. And with that, I'll bring in the rest of my crew, Taz Taylor and Ms. Lee Reed. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. And I agree 100%, and we've had this, this discussion many times before. And that is that, you know, the, the safety innovations that have been made with this car are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're keeping these drivers safe. 
you know, thank God neither uh, neither of them were seriously hurt, neither of the Ryans. You know, they were able to walk away, and that's because of the safety innovations that this new car brought. We can complain about this car all we want and about, you know, how hard it is to pass and how it's affected the racing. But from a safety aspect, I'm 100% a believer. Okay, Taylor. Yeah, I feel like the safety aspect has improved. To start, for the most part, yeah, but there were, it did have its flaws, and we saw it last year, obviously with the concussions with Bowman and Kurt Busch. Um, luckily, Bowman's able to recover. Unfortunately, Kurt Busch wasn't able to. Uh, with that being said, I mean, we've seen head-on collisions, and we saw a head-on collision that Ryan Blaney took that looked very similar to uh, Dale Earnhardt's head-on wreck, and he walked out like, as if nothing had ever happened. Um, so, obviously, safety improvements have been made, and we have seen uh, similar head-on collisions end up in concussions with these next-gen cars, and obviously with the safety changes, it obviously shows that the changes they made, they're in the right direction. They still have a long way to go, I feel like, but at least we know they're making improvements to keep going in that right direction. Um, I'm, I don't know if any injuries have been reported for Ryan Priest, if he were to suffer any. As far as I know, there, there wasn't any, which thanks no, for say, that. They're saying Priest is, is expected to race next week. They're telling him to lay low for the week, but he's expected to be in the car at this point. Oh, perfect. Even better. And, so, and, yeah. I mean, that was and, a violent... We've been worried about broken backs and all kinds of situations because of the way that the car flipped and landed on the ground. But obviously, Ryan Priest is one tough cookie. That's for ahead, sure. Cause, I mean, he, like I said, we all looked at it, and literally I thought I – I felt like my breath was taken away from me for a few seconds there because I couldn't believe how violent that was. And sitting there thinking, oh, to God, like, he's not severely severely hurt or, you know, dead or anything like that. And when I saw him uh, get out of the car, it made me feel a lot better that he was moving and under his own power. And, yeah, they told him to go on the stretcher, which obviously for safety reasons, um, I'm glad they did that just in case of, you know, something was off with his back or uh, maybe ribcage problem, you know, that could lead to serious injuries. Well, even more serious injuries than what happened. So, like I said, NASCAR's made safety improvements on these next gens, and we're heading in the right direction. I agree totally. And and both of these incidents, though it did look like even Ryan Blaney might have got his bell rung. You know, the fact of it is, is we expect spectacular. And there is nothing in sports that can mimic what we see at places like the Indianapolis 500 or the Daytona 500 or Talladega. These racetracks 
have been made history. I mean, been bred on the fact that they are spectacular. And when you wreck at one of these places, it's most of the time, you know, something that you've never seen before, something that you really don't want to see again. But that's the that's the sense of danger that that I believe all of us are attracted to in the sport. Nobody wants to see anybody hurt. But what we do is we we watch these spectacular crashes, and we, you know, it's it's. I hate to say it in a way that's disrespectful. It's entertaining, right? As long as nobody's getting killed. So as long as people are walking away from it, it is entertaining. I understand that anything can happen, but, you know, I heard Dan Patrick say this earlier today. It's like the, unibom- the, uh, the, the, the shoe bomb. Like there was one guy who carried a shoe onto a plane, and since then for 20 years we've – continuously had to take our shoes off at the airport is it, it, it because we're afraid that this is going to something's going to mimic it and you know I, I believe that this form of racing is the you know it, it, it won't it can't be repeated you'll never see another Talladega built you won't see another Daytona built you won't see a, even a facility such as Indianapolis ever built again but we're not those diehard race fans we don't want to see it go away if we can figure out a way to get these cars to stay on the ground, I think we would all be a lot, a lot happier. But the racing in itself there creates the, these spectacular crashes, and it's all part of the entertainment. It's all part of what the lure of us. I mean, you know, I take my family. We sit in front of this fence for, you know, 188 laps, 188 times plus overtime. They pass this one section of the fence, and at any point in time, you could be chopped suey. You know, I mean, it, it it does go through your mind when you're sitting there like, my gosh, I hope the rig doesn't start coming out of that right there, you know. But at the same time, do, do, I, do I not go anymore because I'm fearful of something like that happening? No, and these drivers are not going to fear getting into these race cars and going out and putting on a spectacular so far. I thought it was a decent race. Um, you know, to, it seems like every time NASCAR tries to sell you all week long, it's, it's going to be huge crashes and, and, oh, who's going to survive? You know, they go out there and run single-file racing. Um, but uh, we did get, like I said, we got some spectacular crashes all in all. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace raced his way in. I think that that was good for that 2311 race team. Um, and Chris Busher, man. Chris Busher. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, man. I mean, RFK. I, I thought they were going to come on strong. But man, oh man, they are they are wow, Miss Lee, you said it, they are on fire. Let's open up the subject. RFK racing. I mean, uh we we got a couple of minutes and then we'll jump over to power rankings at seven thirty and then uh, I believe round table. We'll try to have round table at seven forty five and uh that'll finish us out till Taz's Taz's hot six. Um, so I uh, do there's a couple of things I wanna to get to. RFK of course, my gosh, they have set the world on fire. I think the most interesting part of this topic, we can kind of, we've been talked about everything else. How this win catapults him to put themselves in a position to possibly be in the final four. And I think that that's worth discussing right now. We'll open up with you, Ms. Lee. You know, I think all this was a dream beforehand. But after this, this week, we, do we have to, do are, are we in a position to say that Chris Busher 
could very well be in the Final Four at the end of the year. Well, he's got momentum on his side. The team's riding high. He's won at Darlington before. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's within the realm of possibility that we do see Chris Busher in the Final Four. I've been a big fan of his since uh, he won the Xfinity race at, at Mid-Ohio years ago, one of the first races I went to. And, uh, you know, he's obviously got mentorship and friendship from Brad that has obviously had a very positive impact on his career. Um, I don't, I I definitely think it's the realm of possibility that we could see him in the final four. Yeah, you you said it, Miss Lee. Obviously, to know that your teammate has your back is one thing, but when your teammate is also your owner and he's also a NASCAR Cup champion, I mean, Busher had all the all the time in the world. You remember, he spent most of his career over at JTG. He spent, I think, one season at Front Row Motorsports where he got that win uh, at a rain-shortened Pocono race, and then he quickly was shipped over to JTG, who was a Chevrolet team. Uh, so he wasn't ever really part of the Ford meetings or anything like that, of course. Uh, I'm sure that uh, he was only in contract with Roush. Um, he comes over to Roush Fenway Racing basically on this overnight deal where it sends, you know, Ricky Stenhouse out the door. And then a new ownership comes in and is like, hey, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to get Chris Busher in victory lane. I'm sure at that point in time Chris was like, yeah, you know. This guy's going to come over. He, of course, he's going to focus on himself. He's a cup champion. He's used to winning. Why would he be worried about me, brother? If Chris Busher even had that inkling of doubt, no wonder he has bonded so well with Brad because Brad wasn't lying. Brad has catapulted this kid into a position to be in the final four at the end of the year. Tad Taylor. I think Chris Busher is an easy contender. Um, now, that doesn't. To me, that doesn't take away anything from Brad Keselowski because Brad Keselowski has been knocking on the door uh, in a number of these races, especially in the last uh, couple of races that RFK has been up front. I know Brad hasn't won yet, but you can't count him out either. It seems like these two uh, drivers have essentially raised the bar for one another. Brad believes in Chris Busher, and it seems and with and if you listen to the post race interview from Saturday night, Chris literally said this is just as much as Brad's win as it is mine. So it literally looks like these two not only are they working well as drivers for race teams, but it, they're treating each other like they're brother like they're pretty much brothers like they they rely on one another very heavily right. um right. and chris right. knows and chris knows that brad's got his back as you guys have mentioned so if chris right. knows that he's going to believe in him and brad's going to do the same belief um back in chris as well and honestly with with brad looking at 
you know, I'm not saying he's going to, like, retire tomorrow or anything, but with Brad looking at the bigger picture of his future, what propels him better as a team owner than to have his driver get that championship? You know, yeah, Brad would probably like to have, uh, you know, another one under his belt, but he he's more of a big-picture guy. Right. So if he can get Chris the championship. Right. You know, at the sacrifice of his own getting it. Yes, exactly. Right. You have, you have, you have so much sponsor power, so much sponsorful power. If Brad can successfully bring Chris Busher a championship, who wouldn't want to sign that dotted line? Because you've got you've got a champion in Brad, and now he's he's set his career aside to uh, to make sure that Busher has everything he needs. And I'm not saying look, I, I think it could come. I think Brad could just as easily win the next three races like like uh, Busher has. Like you know, this season's not over with <laughs> by no means. Right, and but I, but I'm saying hot, but 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 I'm just saying that you know Brad is. Brad is not above sacrificing himself to make exactly. sure Chris gets it. Exactly. And he stated that from the beginning, which is, which is admirable. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to prove it. And, you know, luckily, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, we saw Keselowski do circles uh, under the red flag, and most people were oh, that pretty was upset too funny. Keselowski didn't get, uh, he didn't get the black flags for that. Uh, most people believe that he should have been sent to the rear of the field uh, for uh, working on on his car under caution. Uh, how do you guys feel well, about that? Was that a... Supposedly he had smoke in the cockpit, and he was trying to get rid of it. And I actually, watching the video of it, it was hysterical. So, yeah, he had, um, I guess there was like a small fire somewhere in the wheel well, and smoke started building up around his feet. And Brad was trying to get rid of it, and however hilarious way he did it, it worked. And uh, some people I say are saying, and I guess this is going around on Door Bumper Clear. I don't know if you listen to it, Chris. I haven't listened to it. Oh, yeah. I saw it on their on their Twitter that they're saying that Brad should have been like penalized or something. I'm sitting there like, why? Well. What was really funny was I, I uh, watched Race Hub tonight, and they do their radioactive on Tuesdays, and all of the drivers and, and crew chiefs' reactions, they were all, like, confused, like, what the heck is he doing? What's going on down there? It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. So NASCAR, I guess, you know, red flag means uh, – you're not supposed to do anything to work on your vehicle or anything like that. Several teams felt that Keselowski got an advantage. Um, but, but how did he, but uh, it was very how creative. did he get an advantage? He didn't advance himself in any way, and he used up his gas. So what advantage well, did he have that the that? car would have the car would have at least burnt some some plugs up, and he wouldn't have been able to uh, to continue. 
So yeah, and look, that that's a racer always wanting to eliminate their competition in some way or another. Because of course, Brett Keselowski pushed Chris Buescher uh, to a win. If Keselowski had not been there to push Buescher, I'm not sure Buescher would have had the ability to win that race. Um, so you know, of course, that's petty party uh, by racers who are losers. You know, that's they're going to blame it on something. So uh, I'm not surprised right. by that uh, by that tactic at all. Um, but I, I don't agree. I, I'm with y'all. I think it was a creative way to do it. He wasn't leaving his basic spot. It doesn't give you, um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't say in the rule book that you can't sit there and do circles, right? Um, red flag means you can't go, but you're not going if you're riding around the same spot, you know, circle after circle after circle. So I'm cool with it. I think uh, – well, here's the other part, too, is that when he did it, he was out of harm's way from everybody else. So so not only is he not really trying to advance his position, all he's doing is taking care of something within the car so he can stay within the race and staying out of harm's way. So that way there, if something were to happen to his car, then it'll be worse than what it was. Somebody else is not affected by it. That, that's a good point, Taz. Um, so I guess one of the other, I guess, silly season subjects, did we cross the bridge that colleague Grayson hasn't uh, announced who they were putting in the 31 machine, but they are not, I repeat, not selling any chargers. <laughs> and I believe SHR come out and said that they are not selling any charters as well. So we have the game of we're not selling right now. So, um, yeah, there was, seems like there was some other silly season news. Are we missing it? Well, what was it? I have uh, no clue. Uh, Carson Hosovar to the 7 Anyway, I don't know. Uh, oh, Carson Hosovar is racing Darlington this weekend. Okay. Yeah, he's I believe be that was the Yeah. But, I don't uh, think there's been uh, actual. I don't think there's been actual silly season news other than basically twenty three eleven and uh, twenty three eleven colleague and uh, SHR basically shutting down the rumors of a basically they're not selling charters, which I guess is a good sign for them teams, but at the same time it leaves us mind-boggled of who's going where in this case. Right. Yeah, there's definitely some unanswered uh, questions uh, going on. Of course, Zane Smith, a big question mark. Carson Hostovar, a big question mark. John Hunter Nemechek, still a big question mark. Uh, Noah Gregson now on the board as a big question mark. Um, not too much has been heard from on junior motorsports side, so we don't really know who's going into the Josh Berry ride. Um, it's been rumored that John Hunter Nemechek is going to take over the 42 machine next year. Uh, Denny Hamlin has yet to sign his deal, and that includes his sponsor deal, his racing deal, his team deal, and his manufacturing support deal. So um, Denny Hamlin has a whole lot of John Hancock that he's got to get uh, – accomplished between now and I believe probably the end of October or if not before. Um, 
So there's still, you know, it's kind of crazy coming down into the 10th race, you know, 10 races to go in the season, and we don't know who's going in the 10 car. We don't know, um, you know, who's going into, uh, um, I guess, the 42 maybe. I, I guess there's still, the 31 is still open. We don't know what SVG is doing yet. Um, so there's still a whole lot of question marks to go along with all that. Uh, you know, Bubba Wallace raced his way into the championship, but Chase Elliott's team is actually in the 16th spot, so we're going to have yet another chase where nothing equals out to each other. As this has been discussed before here. The Truck Series has their own chase. Xfinity has their own chase. And now in the Cup Series, we're going to have an owner's championship that's different than the driver's championship. I mean, at but what not, end can anybody figure this it's shit not out? That, it's not that far off. It's only one car, really. But, um, yeah, it is something to sit in the back of your mind because, I mean, we sat here and said, all right, Chase is not in the playoffs. And then I look at the owner's playoff standings because, again, the whole thing of Denny Hamlin saying Bubba's out of the owner's championship and it may be confused as to or if Bubba's really eliminated on that side, then who got in? And kid you not, it's the nine car of Hendrick, so really we're dealing with I know we're dealing with 16 drivers, 16 cars on the owner's side of things, but really, if you think about it amongst the two sides, you're really looking at it like 17 different, 17 people in the first round of the playoffs. That's wild, man. That is. I mean, you know, by default, Chase Elliott is still somehow in the championship. Um, I told you NASCAR was going to do something to make sure he stayed relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, though. What's so hilarious about all this is Chase Elliott cost himself a champ at a championship because of a bad move, uh, and 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 Denny Hamlin almost cost himself at a, you know, as a as a point, uh, uh, season points series champion, uh, based off of that he made on, uh, uh, what is it? Items that detrimental. What's it called? <laughs> what's this podcast called? Detrimental. Whatever it's called. Anyway, actions detrimental. Actions detrimental. Yeah, they're very fine against fine for. So you know that's the way the season goes. Uh, that's the way that every NASCAR season has. But hey, congrats to Bubba Wallace. You know, Michael Jordan's had a tough year. He's only made you know like three point two billion dollars in his lifetime. Um, so you know, I mean, it's definitely been a tough year for Jordan having to sell his Hornets. But you know, now they've raced their way into. Um, the final 16, or the, the group of 16, the sweet 16, however you want to look at it. As a matter of fact, we'll have that and a little bit more coming up, I believe, at the 745 mark. But now it's time for the much-anticipated. We normally give this a little bit of its own kind of night here, but uh, being that we have the round table, we've got to eliminate four drivers from the chase, being that, uh, you know, this is the first night of the first week of the chase, uh, we're going to do a quick power rankings. I believe Taz has already got them set up. We'll argue it. We'll deny it. We'll try to come to some kind of conclusion. But I've, I've looked at Taz's power rankings, and if I had to make up my own power rankings, once again, I feel like Taz probably got it as close to possible as what either Miss Lee or anybody. But 
that doesn't mean that we can't argue some uh, some things about it. Uh, so, Taz, if you'll uh, hit up the old drum roll, uh, we'll start uh, the power rankings. All right. So, basically, 16 teams, we rank them all, one through 16. Uh, last time we did this was back in round May, I do believe. So, some things have changed. So, ranking at number 16 has not moved from that spot is Live Fast Motorsports, BJ McLeod. Number 15 has not moved, which is Rick Ware Racing. Number 14 is Legacy Motor Club. Um, a swap of positions falling down one spot is Wood Brothers. They're coming in. Now, wait a minute. And... Yes. I mean, I thought the Wood Brothers were improving. Who did? Oh, I'm looking at. Sorry, I I had no. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, I looked at the. I was looking at the previous and accidentally read the wrong list. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. All right, good. All right, so actually, at number (laughs) thirteen. At number thirteen, they fell one spot. Is Spire Motorsport. Yeah. And then moving up to number 12, moving up to number 12 is Wood Brothers. So basically from the last time, last power rankings we did, they swapped spots. At number 11, this comes as a shock, and I know Chris was arguing this, but I I have a good reasoning to back up why I put them where they are. At number 11, it is SHR, and they fell from number 8 to they went from number eight the last time we did power engines to number 11. And tell us the reason why, Tab. Tell us, tell us how the two-car combo versus the four-car and three-of-them-stuck combo makes it worse than the two-car combo. Because obviously so, they are sitting right in front of Spire. They are behind colleague racing. Tell me why, Taz. Tell me why the three so, sucky cars are so bad that it brings SHR all the way down the list to number 11. All right. So, basically, Chris basically started off the top 10 list with Colleague Racing being number 10. So, yes, they are number 10. Colleague was moved up one spot from previous power rankings. So, the reason why Colleague sits at number 10 and SHR sits at number 11, and I know everybody's sitting here confused, like, well, SHR has a playoff, has a as a playoff team and Kevin Harvick, Colleague doesn't. Well, I'm here to argue my reasonings. While SHR, yes, they have a playoff uh, car, and Colleague does not. Colleague, if you look at the owner standings, the 16 car that's piloted by A.J. Allmendinger sits higher than all three of the SH cars that did not make the playoffs in points. If you look at the 31 car of Justin Healy, he sits, even with his penalty, that I, I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure he got it um, turned, I think the decision turned the other way eventually, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, either way, um, Justin Healy, a 31 car, he ranks higher than two of the non-playoff SHR cars, but sits three points behind 
the third one. So I had to go with the gut of colleagues ranked higher than SHR. Miss Lee, what do you I think? I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. Just for the reasons that, that, that Kaz laid out. Calling for for the most part has outperformed the SHR cars. Four stage wins by Kevin Harvick. Four stage wins. I don't know where they come from because I don't remember them, but I, I but that was the stat. Four stage wins by Kevin Harvick. So, uh, you know, look, it's hard to argue it. The SHR sucks. They suck really bad. Harvick and his experience and his will to drive a car, I think, is the only, you know, is the only thing that's kept SHR alive. And unfortunately, when he's gone, I think, uh, you know, SHR is in even more trouble. Um, I can yeah, kind of remember what it was there. like. Right. I kind of remember what it was like uh, when uh, Carl Edwards was left at uh, Roush Fenway Racing after Matt Kenseth left. And uh, it was it was not the same organization, and um, I kind of feel like that's where SHR is headed. Hopefully, they get it turned around. Uh, of course, it's taken RFK years. It took them only a couple of a uh, couple of years to fall off. It's taken them eight years to bring it back. So um, we'll see how how that continues to to go along. But you've already given us the ten spot, colleague racing. Now tell us a little bit about the thirty one car because obviously we expected a little bit more out of AJ Allmendinger this year. I think I had him predicted to be for sure in the chase. I don't know, you know, what's happened at the other six road course races that we've gone to, but it just not, it has not been A.J. Allmendinger's year. But all in all, the organization in itself has been a top ten organization. Explain that for us real quick, Taz, uh, before we go to number nine. So, colleague, I feel like has been one of those under-the-radar teams. Like obviously, like, obviously, when it comes to the road courses, we circle A.J. Allmendinger, right? And when we go to super speedway races, we circle Justin Healy. And while, yes, we look at those, outside of that, we don't look at them. And I feel like if you look at some of these teams that are performing at a lower level, and again, not trying to take anything away from Colleg or knocking them down any, but with those with Colleg, it seems like they've kind of flown under the radar, where like nobody's talking about them. They're kind of like, all right, well, we'll just do what we do. Nobody's putting pressure on us. Nobody's talking about us. We'll just make a name for ourselves and do what we can and give the performances we know we can deliver. And obviously, as you guys have mentioned Almendinger with these road courses. He's been up there. He's contended for a win or two in a couple of them. Um, obviously did not. We did Almendinger to make the playoffs because he would get a road course win. Obviously this year he did not. Um, but it seems like the 31 car, Justin Haley, um, if, it, if we remember back in the class, either last year or this year, he was a front-running car, which was like, holy crap, is calling a team to a force to be reckoned with? And he did the same thing at the Clash this year. And I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't remember if it was a 
if it was Justin Healy last year and then this year is A.J. Allmendinger, but either way, uh, calling made a name for themselves to start off the season. And we put the expectations up there, and when they don't deliver the expectations, we don't talk about them. And then they signed up. Like I said, they saw it as an opportunity of there's no pressure on us, nobody's talking about us, let's just do what we do and and perform the way the best to, of our ability. We know we're not a top-running team, but we know we can compete and run for obviously top 20, but they can run up there for top 10s as well. We saw Justin Haley in the Chicago street course running up front, and nobody expected it. And don't forget, AJ became a daddy. So he's a little little distracted. Does that sum things up for you, Chris? Yeah, for sure. That's, I need to turn the mute button off. Yeah, let's go to number nine, buddy. All right. Number nine to follow with college racing is Front Row Motorsports of McDowell and the shared ride of Gilliland and Zane Smith. Yeah, I'm not uh, going to argue this one one bit. Where were they at originally? Because, of course, we're, we're talking about a win here, and we've seen some strong running with Gillian. I think something was off at Daytona for both of these cars. They just did not seem to be uh, uh, dialed in the way that we've seen them in the past. But uh, where, where were they the last time we had power rankings? Previously, they were up, They were at number 10, so they moved up one spot this yeah. time around. They are up one. Okay. All right. Well, what about number eight? Who's at number eight? Number eight. Um, they moved up one spot as well, and that is RCR of Kyle Busch and Rhinestone Cowboy, Austin Dillon. Talk about hot and cold. I mean, you know, I was so worried that Bush was going to get him one win, and then they were just going to go stone cold sour for the rest of the year, and we weren't going to hear nothing else out of him, and Bush was just going to get bitchy as the season went on. Well, that's not what happened. They've gotten three race wins already this year, but they followed them up in each of those races, I think, with a 30-something place finish. Um, I think that he has a total of five DNFs this year, um, only topped out by Larson, who has six. So, you know, it's just been an up-and-down season for RCR, but I, I can't even really recognize RCR as an organization. If you were talking about Kyle Bush, I think RCR would be sitting somewhere about fifth or sixth. But Rhinestone Cowboys sucks so damn bad that you have to camp him out somewhere and wear number nine? Or is this eight? This is number yeah. eight. That that's funny. You would you would think that the addition of Kyle Bush would have had a little more positive impact on this team. Right. But you're right. And I, I laughed so loud, Chris, when you said that Austin sucks so bad that he's just dragged the team down. And I mean, that was- and we're going to get to the next two teams we're going to get to 
Um, and I'll kind of list them off after we get done talking about RCR. Another organization has that same problem, too, that we have not mentioned yet. And we're going to get to that. And It, it seems to me that the sucky drivers are, are sucking all the life out of some good drivers and their teams. Exactly. Well, and, and, and this goes back to this. This goes back to look at the relationship between Brad and Chris Busher versus how things have worked out between the Cowboy and Kyle Bush. You know, we all know Kyle's got an ego, but when it comes to racing. I think he's he could be a very good mentor to the right mentee. And obviously Austin is not the right mentee. <laughs> no. He's too busy. Too busy trying to find Kyle Larson to wreck him. So who's at number seven, Taz? Who's at number seven? I believe I'm gonna know right. who's at number seven. So and and this is gonna, gonna be a shocker for most. So I'm gonna list off number seven and number six at the same time here because um, we can go back and forth on this one all day. Um, number seven, and they were previously ranked at number six, so they fell one, is Penske Racing. And at number six, and they were pre- previously ranked at number seven, is JTG Doherty Racing. Jesus, how in the hell can you have JTG Doherty Racing ahead of a powerhouse team in the former house of a former champion in the, I mean, explain to me your madness, Taz Taylor. So, I know this is madness, but the reason why I put, the reason why JTG sits higher than Penske, and this can go, this really could go either way, but I put JTG up ahead because of the fact that with Penske, you look at Logano, you look at Blaney, you look at Cindric, and you sit there and say, well, that should be an easy top five team. Well, we just talked about how Austin Dillon's rags the RCR team down, even with the addition of Kyle Busch. You have Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney, who should be picking you up. Austin Singer got a win last year, a rookie, in the Daytona 500. You would think he would take that momentum and pick it up a notch this year. No. Austin Singer has not been in any sort of winning picture at all this year. Somebody threw out the anchor on that thing. Austin Singer in... Austin Cindric in the owner's points, his team ranked 22nd. Joey Logano this year has not had a spectacular year. This, and, it's, and I'm not saying that he hasn't had a good season. I feel like he has, but it's not a season that you would expect from a defending series champion. Right. Yeah. And and in terms of Ryan Blaney, yes, he broke the winless streak. I'll give him that one. But in my honest opinion, 
he's had his typical Ryan Blaney season. He hasn't made the noise to be a race-winning guy <laughs> week in, week out. Exactly. He's, just been, he's been that typical, I'll run consistent, I'll run where I finish, and that's about it. He hasn't made noise to be a race winner every single week. Isn't I'm that sorry, who I w- Ryan Blaney is? I mean, are we – has he ever been – was he a spectacular – uh, truck series driver? Did he light the world on fire in Xfinity? Has he ever lit the world on fire in Cup Series? Really, I think he's I think he's in one of the best seats in NASCAR. And I'll be honest with you, he stinks. And Penske needs to go. They, he needs to move on from it. Yeah, you know, this is. I mean, he's hanging on to him longer than he held on to David Strimmey. <laughs> and yeah, the other I really part don't in- see. The production behind Ryan Blaney. He does not. He, he's like the mini me of Chase Elliott. He's the other protege. And the other side of this argument was we we have, and I mentioned JTG ranks one spot higher than Penske. And like I said, this could go either way. But I'm ranked them the way I did because JTG, while yes, they are a one car team. I understand that. But that one yeah, car like one team top five is top not. Top. Hold on. Hold on. The one car team is in points wise is competing with the top two Penske cars. Like he's not far behind. Yeah. And he's by himself. So resources is everything. And I like that about that, Taylor. He really understands that. Resources is everything. Ricky Stenhouse is more resourceful in an organization than the bad driving of Stendrick who keeps wrecking race cars. Ryan Blaney, who's underperforming, and Joey Logano, who's obviously just having an off year. I mean, there's been times where Joey Logano's name hasn't even gotten mentioned during the race. And, I, you know, we want to blame it on Ford, but here's RFK. They've done their work. You know, is it SHR? I, I don't know who. I don't know who to blame. Um, but the, there's definitely, when you see a powerhouse team at number seven, Behind the JTG, you can only, uh, you know, you can uh, numbers don't lie. So let's go to number five. All right. So kicking off at number five, um, for the first time in drivers' playoff history in the team's organization, this team has both of their cars in the playoffs, and that's 2311 racing of Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace. Um, yeah, no some big surprise there. Um, the five, I mean, the 2311 race team is definitely deserved. Um, I believe it was, who was in number five the last time, Taz Taylor? Who was at that five spot? I, don't, um, I know it wasn't 2311. Well, I think they no, improved at least the position. Nope. Or two. It was, it was nope. 2311. It was 2311, right in the same spot. Wow. Okay, well, hey, it's paid off. They've had a decent year. Um, I can't argue the 2311 being the fifth most uh, powerful race team in NASCAR. I think that they've, uh, you know, solid, consistent finishes. Uh, I would like to see Reddick a little bit more uh, part of the Toyota group. It seems like it's the JGR Toyotas and then Tyler Reddick. So we can get Tyler Reddick mixed in with those JGR Toyotas and somewhere in the middle pack of that. I would feel more comfortable about where 2311 is. And, and, and the plus just, side of know, this, too, I, and the plus side with this team, too, yes, Tyler Reddick 
um, locked into the drivers and owners playoffs and nothing to take away from Bubba and the 23 team at all. Um, but again, they found a way to make it into the playoffs. They went on the driver's side. Unfortunately, they fell just short of the owner's side, but they were in contention for it. So they're not lacking anything over there. They're improving. All right. Number four, number four, Taz Taylor. All right, number four, and they fell two spots from last time. That is Trackhouse Racing. They, uh, they. Ross, Chastain, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez feel like they, and nothing to take away from Justin Marks and Daniel Suarez. I think Suarez just had an off year. Um, I think last year was kind of like everyone's going to sleep on Trackhouse, and both Chastain and Suarez said, hey, you want to sleep on us? Fine. We'll prove you wrong, and they did. This year we put high high expectations on them, and they didn't deliver. Yeah, I think they've had, like, the worst run since the Chicago race. Uh, you know, there was kind of back-to-back wins uh, with Nashville and the Chicago race, but since then, Holy crap, talk about throwing the anchor out. Um, Ross Chastain just hasn't had the fire lit up underneath him. Um, He's not getting into controversy, uh, so obviously he's not bad. Um, Daniel Suarez, he may be who who he has been his whole career. You know, there's probably only going to be a handful of races where Suarez is competitive. And, and, And with that, it brings the organization down. Daniel Suarez may not be as good as what we hoped his potential to be. He may be good at certain tracks, but for a powerhouse team to be powerhouse, for them to be constantly in that top three, they've got to show that all teams are strong. And that's just not not what's really going on right now at Trackhouse. I'm surprised that they haven't fallen a little bit further. I'm okay with them being in the fourth spot. Uh, Miss Lee? Yeah, Ross seems to have lost, definitely lost some steam. And I don't know if that's because he's been told to behave himself, to chill out, or what. But he definitely seems to have lost some steam. And as as far as Mi Amigo goes, he's been having some mechanical issues. Um, You know, I don't know what what all is going on if they – threw all their weight behind Ross because he was doing so good and kind of neglected Daniel or what, but there, there's definitely something going on there. Number three, Taz Taylor. Number three, and they moved up one spot from last pre- previous power ranking, is Hendrick Motorsports. Obviously, Byron's having the breakout year he's getting – um, Kyle Larson, I mean, being Kyle Larson, I guess. Um, Are we Bowman, getting the full 100% of Kyle Larson? I feel like Kyle Larson's kind of laid down a little bit. And Bowman, yeah, uh, I think Bowman's on his way back. Yeah, I, I can see that definitely. And I feel like we're, we're, we haven't seen the full – Cliff Daniels, Kyle Larson, 
connection like we saw when Larson won the championship. To me, honestly, I know that year Larson was basically making a statement saying that, hey, I'm here pretty much. But at the same time, I felt like that combination of Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson, and I don't really want to put them on that pedestal just yet because I want to see more improve that they are that kind of power duo, but I feel like it's like that Jeff Gordon Evernham combination, that Jimmy Johnson Canals connection. You know, just that right pairing of driver crew chief that you know is gonna work well and have as much success as they will have. And then I'm not saying it in terms of race wins, I mean like championships too. Like those two have it. And Chase was having a really decent run. Um, he, of course, coming off a second-place finish, Watkins Glen almost raced his way in. Um, Chase hasn't had a terrible year. Chase has not had a, a great year. Um, and Alex Bowman, as I said, I believe he's on his way back up. Hopefully they get it straightened out over there at the 48 team. But, man, that just shows how on fire Willie B's been and Rudy Frugal. Man, what a, what a combination. I believe we are looking at the future – I've I've been waiting on it for a couple of years. I just I just I think I was about a year and a half early on William Byron's breakout party, but uh, I see the potential there, and uh, now we're now we're seeing the fruits of it. Uh, number two, Taz Taylor. Number two, they fell one spot from last power rankings. They were number one, and we have a new number one team this week, and we'll get to that in a minute, but. Number two is Joe Gibbs Racing. And, and you know, three, out of the, three out of the four into three out of the four cars and teams into the playoffs. Can't, you can't knock them out. They rode the momentum train for as long as they could. And also... You know, they Ty Gibbs, obviously rookie season, and he made sure that he was somebody that you just couldn't sleep on. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. a race well, winner, had, but he was, he was in the points picture. Ty's had a very successful rookie campaign. Um, very successful. Been very impressed. Yeah, he he's kept his head yeah, down he and his mouth shut. He he has, and and I think it was unreasonable for people to think that he would necessarily make the playoffs in his rookie season. I think since since he had a talking to, and he's settled down. Um. You know, he's he's proven that he could be a, a championship contender at some point. But I, I just I, – I kind of thought maybe he would break through, but I'm not surprised that he didn't. I mean, it's hard to say that somebody has flaws when you're ranked number two, okay, organization-wise. But what has brought this team down is, unfortunately – the fall off of Christopher Bell. It's you know we've been surprised 
at the success of Ty Gibbs, I, I think uh, we all kind of expected maybe a little bit worse um, <clears throat> off his rookie, really rookie campaign the year before, uh, where he typically was somewhere in the mid-20s. Um, you know, this is – he's definitely made improvement. But Christopher Bell has been the biggest disappointment, and that's a lot of potential right there. I thought at the beginning of the year he would be in the top four to talk about. That's not been the case in the second half of the season. Whether or not Bell is able to get that turned around, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Of course, they did make the chase, so there is a chance Bell does get it all turned around. Um, and, well, uh, don't forget, you know, in a, a four-car four team like that, especially Joe Gibbs Racing, we all know there's going to be a red-headed stepchild there. Yeah, it ain't going to be Ty Gibbs, is it? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So resources, resources, resources. I think I think that's what brings us to number one, Cass Taylor. Shocker. I think the whole world is shocked. But when you put together three wins out of the last five races, I don't care where you come from. You could be in thirteenth for crying out loud. We judge this power rankings of what you're doing today. Right now, this team is the hottest team in NASCAR for the number one spot, Cass Taylor. Number one team, and they moved up two spots. They were previously number three from the last time. That's the two-car tandem, as Chris basically hinted at you guys. That is RFK Racing. Well, it's kind of process of elimination, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> three, three, three wins out of the last five races. Not bad, not too shabby. It's all coming from one car, though, that does have me kind of concerned. If I had not been watching the races, I would definitely be scratching my head of why the six teams seems to be the dragnet of the race team. Now, we can't say that because, of course, the third win – by Busher come off the back of Ted Lowski as he continued to push him to a win instead of racing Busher for maybe the win himself. So talk about sacrifices of a team owner. There you go. But no surprise, you know, this has set themselves themselves up great for a championship run. You know, these uh, wins will come in handy as they try to get skirt through the first two rounds. Speaking of rounds, we're about 15 minutes behind on our roundtable discussion, so we need to jump quickly, segue on into that uh, so that we can continue to stay on time here. No surprise. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody here can argue who number one is. As I said, when you put together the streaks that they've just put together, you can come all the way from last, for crying out loud. What they've done is impressive. They deserve to be at the top of the chart. Uh, so let's get into eliminating four guys from – the 2023 Chase. Taz Taylor, read off, first of all, who these guys are and their wins. All righty. So, with that being said, we have the number one seed. Well, technically, Martin Trips Jr. won the regular season championship, so he should be the one seed. But because of the number of playoffs that him and William Byron share, they have the same amount of playoffs. William Byron's got the tiebreaker because he has more wins. So William Byron is the one seed by technicality. 
Martin Truex Jr., number two, with three wins. Uh, the three seed is Denny Hamlin, who has two wins. The four seed is Chris Busher with three wins. The five seed is Kyle Busch with three wins. Kyle Larson, number six, with two wins. Christopher Bell, number seven, with one win. Ross Chastain, number eight, with one win. Brad Keselowski with number nine, no wins, but made it in on points. Tyler Reddick, number 10, with one win. Joey Logano at number 11 with one win. Brian Blaney at number 12 with one win. Michael McDowell at number 13 with one win. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. number 14 with one win. Kevin Harvick number 15. Uh, no wins, but made it in on points. And number 16, Bubba Wallace, of course, making it in on points. So basically on the bubble, it's Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, Kevin Harvick, and Bubba Wallace. Typically, yes, and, in our first round. I want to point out, Chris, before we get that far. So, those four are under the cut line as of right now. But, McDowell is only one point behind the cutoff. Stenhouse is behind by three. Harvick's behind by four. And Bubba's behind by eight. So, there's a lot of tossing and turning on this. Well, I'm not going to hesitate. I will say that I don't see Ricky or Bubba making it past this first round. Looking at the first round that looking at the first round um I can see all three not favoring Ricky Stenhouse. Um, two of the race, two of the three races, um, don't really favor Bubba. But I see one where he could play the sleeper and be a contender for a win, and he has one at this track. That's Kansas. So I, so I kind of wanted to say I agree, but. Don't let that leave the back of your mind. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on Stenhouse and Bubba saying, pack your bag, see you later? Yeah, definitely Stenhouse. Um, I, you know, Bubba, that is a good question. Kansas is part of this. Um, uh, you, you, you know, you expect the 23-11 race team to be fast there. They, were, they, they found something last year that worked there. But also, you know, Denny Hamlin probably – uh, didn't keep that a secret very long, right? Uh, that's part of how you share information. So there's a big possibility the other Joe Gibbs racing teams are going to be strong there as well. So it's going to be hard to, you know, mimic what they did last year again this year. I don't. Th- I think this is. I forget who won at Kansas uh, earlier in the season. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see McDowell out the door uh, in the first round. They they don't have very many points. Uh, I mean, not McDowell. I'm sorry. Stenhouse and, and Wallace. Stenhouse only has the five bonus points because of the win. He really doesn't have anything else to follow on. Bubba, of course, right there, 2,000. He doesn't have any stage wins, and I don't know if he has any, uh, any other wins. So, that, you know, this is, where, this is where your points, even if it's just a few points, 
uh, can really help pull you through. Um, looking at this schedule, too, um, I don't want to push him away either, but I feel like he's going to be another one where he got in because the track he got in the playoffs because the track favored his strengths. But when it comes to the first round of the playoffs, it doesn't look to be that way. And unfortunately, that's going to be Michael McDowell. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was kind of wish flush yeah, on whether, whether or not McDowell could make it through the, the, the only, first round. The only contention I can maybe see him try but I don't see much of it would be Bristol. Yeah, I mean, but it, but even Darlington's a driver's track, right? So, I, you know, I, I guess you kind of expect uh, Joey Logano and Ron Blaney to outperform McDowell there. What's interesting is there's not the two, three points separated between Tyler Reddick and Michael McDowell. I mean, this could be a case of two, two bad nights and one of these top contenders could be very well in that cutoff position. Um, and, and, you know, it's crazy to think Joey Logano, you know, he's only had three stage wins, I guess, three stage points and one win and throughout the whole year. The other one that I'm concerned about, too, and I know they're up there in the standings, but they're really not that far ahead either, as you mentioned that, Chris. The one I'm kind of looking at, and he had good season momentum to start, but I feel like as the regular season went on, his momentum basically went down, and we never talked about him. That's got to be, I hate to say it, Christopher Bell. Wow. Yeah, he was one of my early favorites. I had him in my top four. I, I, I wouldn't send Christopher Bell out the door. He does have a few extra points added on, um, you know, basically 10 more points than, uh, say, Kevin Harvick. So, um, you know, I, I, I would be more in worried about Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, and Joey Logano at this point in time. It, you know, Keselowski, he is only three points separated between him and McDowell. Now, the difference is RFK is, at the top of the power rankings. Like, there's not a team that's stronger right now than RFK. And so and you kind of expect the momentum there, but this could be the tracks where, you know, they may not be – Ford may not be very good. And with that, too, but I do want to make an argument on this one because I'm looking – obviously, with hot picks coming up, I have to look at a little bit of stats here, right? Darlington – while Brad does have one win at Darlington – his stats can't argue the fact that Darlington's not that Darlington is a strong track for Brad, and with the momentum train they're on, I can't take anything away from him. And obviously, at the bigger tracks, they're there. So I feel like if they can get a good start, Chris Busher and Brad Keselowski may have a good start between Darlington and Kansas because it's Bristol. Yeah, Bristol is one of those short tracks where it's, it's, I don't really want to say it's like a super speedway in a sense, but it kind of is because 
anything can happen in Bristol. Really, exactly. if you have it's if you have a shit. bad if you have a flat tire, you're on, you're down two laps already, and you could be running fifth all night long. So you just went from fifth, blown tire. Now you're two laps down, essentially. Well, if I were to start pairing guys against each other, I would hate to see a Ross Chastain versus a Bubba Wallace um, because I believe in the end Bubba Wallace has the potential to put out a three, a better three-race series than what Ross Chastain has put out up to the last three races. So when you start dividing the charts as we would in a football season and the eighth place basically facing the 16th place, um, that's where you really start to realize that Bubba Wallace may have a little bit more potential in this chase uh, than we gave him previous credit for. The guys right, that have so absolutely stunk so far is Kevin Harvick, Enrique Stenhouse, Ryan Blaney, and Ross Chastain. Those guys literally are the guys that have stunk. Michael McDowell overperformed. Uh, Bubba Wallace he he's basically overperformed his talent. He's in a chase where he shouldn't be. What is it, Ted? So I kind of want to turn the page a bit here. While we can sit here and look at a handful of guys of who we're eliminating, why don't we get rid of the guys that we feel comfortable that are safe to move on? And I'll start from top to bottom. I feel like the top three, Byron, Truex, Hamlin, I feel like that's a that's an easy done deal. Truex has been riding a high all season long. Um, Denny Hamlin, he's got some favor with Darlington. Um, I believe he's also a top runner at Bristol, Kansas. I feel Darlington and Kansas kind of wheelhouse William Byron in a sense. Truex um, also favors Darlington um, and Obviously, with how he's been on short tracks lately, he kind he could fall easily into Bristol, and he's also a top contender at Kansas. So, I feel like those three are easy, definite moves on. Move on. Oh, definitely Hamlin. These these tracks definitely favor him. Right, I agree. Next, um, the next. Three in line would be Crusher, Kyle Bush, and Kyle Larson. Um, I'm all for this momentum train that Busher is on, but is it sustainable? My only, my only concern, my only concern with Busher right now is Darlington. And if you, and like you mentioned, Chris, if you start the playoffs on a bad note that could hurt you in the, that could hurt you in the long run. And yeah, he has those points. He has, obviously he has at least 15 points. Uh, He has 21 points um, with a plus 14 above the cutoff. Yeah. He's got the momentum, but if you start, if you start Darlington on a huge note, that plus 14 can easily diminish to a minus double digit. Right. So, 
in terms of Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, these two should definitely move on. So, again, well, you, got uh, you guys can make the call. Kyle you Bush guys can call, make. You guys can make the call on Chris Busher. I'm, I'm worried about Darlington for Busher right now. Yeah, I think Busher's fine. Uh, his three wins, six points lead has him where he needs to be. Um, he may he may be somewhere, you know, in the eighth or ninth position, to be honest with you. Um I think that that's probably more where Bush is gonna wind up in the end. Uh we'll see how they ride the momentum. Al Bush we talked about him in the power rankings. The guy's carried the organization, but he's also been pretty streaky himself and uh you expect Bush to have uh, a pretty good Bristol. Uh, that should get him in, uh, but uh, you know where where he at, is at at Kansas, the mile and a half speedways. RCR has been pretty strong at the mile and a half, but I feel like Hendrick is probably caught up to that by now. And uh, so, whether or not Bush would actually be able to pull out a win at Kansas, I'm not really sure. I guess the other uh, race would be Darlington. That's a driver's track. Kyle Busch should do well there. Who knows? We might see a, a wreck fest. And that could possibly put Kyle Busch uh, trying to dig out of a hole. So um, well, I, I think know, he's got enough bonus points to ride him through. Him and Larson are both okay. Yeah, he Kyle Busch, um, obviously the intermediate track speed is there. Bristol, he's a, he's a big favorite in Bristol easily. I know he definitely has it. Kyle Larson... I feel like he's sleeping on the full Something potential. Would have to tragically with, go wrong there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I personally feel like I'm confident in Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson moving on. It's just my question is Chris Busher on Darlington. That's my only yeah. concern, and I'm feeling the same way with Christopher Bell too. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Bell got a lot to prove in this in the chase, and he's at that seventh spot. So you know, you kind of compare him to the 14th spot of Ricky Stenhouse. Um, that he's got to perform better than that, and I believe that he is capable. That he is very capable of competing. Um, he could find a win in this in this set of races. I, I could very well see Bell uh, running well at Darlington. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him also run well at Bristol. So uh, Bell's in a pretty good spot. The guy behind him that I'm probably the most concerned about, and that's. Ross Chastain is a big enigma. We normally see somebody from around this spot fall out of the chase in the first round. There's Ross at number eight. You know, you would expect him to be two rounds to go, but for some reason between this eight and ten mark is generally where you wind up losing somebody in the first cutoff. Ross Chastain, I think, is that first bubble driver that we could really question whether or not he has the potential to be in the final. We're talking about a guy who was in the final four the year before. Can he even make it out of the round of 12? Well, yeah, I'm not so sure about him. You know, like I, I, I mentioned before, you know, he seems to have lost some steam. And whether he can get that back or not, I guess remains to be seen. Yeah, that's the big question. I think Ross Chastain is our first real bubble driver. Um, 
Taz, what are your question marks? Or do you feel pretty confident in Ross? Because Miss Lee and I are kind of, we're, we're on the verge of, you know, hey, things could go wrong here for Chastain. It just depends on who's behind them where it could go even worse. All right. So, right now, my bubble drivers are sitting in the top ten. Are, and I know, Chris, you said he's okay. I haven't heard Miss Lee's opinions on Busher, Bush, Chris, Bush, and Larson on that deal. But, again, my bubble drivers in the top ten are Busher, Bell, and Chastain. So we're we're agreeing on Chad Stang. Yeah. Yeah. That's really I think I think Busher I think gonna be okay. All right, so we'll move them over. Of course, majority, you know, majority vote. That's okay. Um, I'm not upset by that. That's fine. Um, so we're so we got six drivers. There's still Brad Keselowski there, right? There's still Brad yeah, Keselowski there. What, so have, what what makes you so lenient on Busher being the issue when it's been Keselowski with lack of performance? So how did these so, guys get flip flopped? Do you think that there's that like is there a method to your madness? Do you feel like Ted Lassie's yeah, not really sure so, he this is this is Bristol, right? This is Darlington. both of those racetracks are driver racetracks. Are you seeing something that you may be holding out on with Ted Lassie? So I know we're going to go into this with hot picks, and I and I don't want to go into it, but I feel like, in a sense, we're going to do like a, a warm introduction into it during this segment. Brad Keselowski loves Darlington in terms of stat-wise. Like I mentioned, he has one win at this track, but is, he has the third-best average finish amongst active Cup Series drivers right now. 19 races, one win, six top fives, ten top tens. He's got one pole. I mean, his average finish is almost a top ten average finish. So I'm, and Chris Busher doesn't look to be favorable of Darlington. I know RFK can, both of them can um, be easy uh competitors for Kansas, which is why I was kind of like, well, if Brad can do well at Darlington and Kansas, as long as he has has enough of a points cushion, he'll be fine for Bristol if things, you know, don't entirely play out in his hands. Busher, on the other hand, I see Kansas, Darlington, I don't know, which makes me question him about Bristol in a sense, too. Wow. I mean, Busher at Darlington Darlington only has three top tens in 12 races. Wow. 
Something could definitely go wrong. Where, where does Harvick fit into all of this? So, Harvick, I mean, I'm just looking at Darlington's death. I feel like Harvick could get him, could have a good run at both Darlington and Kansas to make up for it. To make up for his few points behind the cutoff line he is. I feel like if Harvick um, has a... I personally feel like Harvick could play the the spoiler of things. Like, he starts under the cut lot, cutoff line. Some people may have written him off the script because of the lackluster performance SHR has had. But Harvick has been running, has been competing top tens and top fives not and then not necessarily win, but right. I feel like he I feel like he could do enough in the first two races of this round of the playoffs that he I think he'll do okay, but I don't have much confidence after this round. Yeah, my my so big we're question. My big question with Harvick is, like you said, the lackluster performance of SHR overall. Yeah, I feel like we're chasing who's going to have a bad run in this stretch. And and, and I feel – that uh, Taz has tried to sell us that it's going to be Busher. And that's well noted. I know that one of these guys is going to make it. And I'm with you, Taz. I don't think that I could eliminate Kevin Harvick. I think... And maybe we should. Maybe we should just scratch all four of these guys. But based off of stats and based off of years previous returns, Somebody falls from the top. Somebody falls from that middle ground. Ryan Blaney last year, I think, barely made it in, you know, to the points. Um, wait, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, Martin Truex missed the cutoff. Ryan Blaney barely squeaked in. And I don't, and I don't want to, and I don't mean to call you off there, Chris, but if you remember last year's playoffs of these next-gen cars, the guys we pretty much written off the script of being eliminated easily were ones that shocked the system essentially and made it their way into the round of 12 and the round of eight, which is why I'm kind of going, well, Kevin Harvick, I mean, people want to throw him out the door, but in this round of playoffs, he's got two tracks that favor him that he could get enough points to keep him alive. Yeah, I, I can't dismiss Harvick out of hand. So, we've we've eliminated Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse, and Michael McDowell. Is that who we've eliminated? We can eliminate McDowell. I, I'm, I'm at the point where I would eliminate him because – these three tracks we're going to don't favor him. 
if McDowell makes it um, makes it to the next round, that round's going to favor him. But right now, I'm looking at Darlington, Kansas, Bristol. I don't see McDowell being um, one to survive this one. Like I feel like he has to survive. There are three bubble drivers. Noted, of course, is Bush. The other should be Chastain. And I think the third one, we would be crazy not to vote on Ron Blaney. Lagana, look, you know, he's a champion. He's proven. Ron's never proved himself. Penske's not been hitting on all cylinders. Chastain, Trackhouse, they've been irrelevant. You've argued that Busher has been on this magic carpet ride. I'm not willing to vote Busher out off this ship, but I'm not sure Ms. Lee is either. So that means that Busher would have to stay on the list. He's moving yeah, on. Right now, right now we have six drivers confirmed moving on. We've eliminated three. There's only seven drivers left for six spots. <clears throat> Keselowski's got the stats. He's moving on. Logano's a former champion. He's moving on. I really think I'm it's going to be somewhere between too. Chastain, Chastain, and Blaine seem to be the question mark here. One name we have Ms. not Lee? mentioned, we keep overlooking him too, is Tyler Reddick. Kansas favors him. I see that one. Darlington being a high side track. He loves running the high line against the wall. I feel like Reddick could pull, could pull something out with Darlington. So there's two tracks off the bat. I could see Reddick having a good performance with. So honestly, I feel like I feel like Brad, Reddick, and Logano. Brad, Reddick, Logano, and Harvick are moving on, for sure. Are we favoring? Are we against it? I, I am in favor of what you just said. I'm good with that. All right. That leaves Blaney and Chastain. And Christopher Bell. I think Christopher is okay. I think he's safe. Let me double-check that one for you. As I'm trying to move those four names over. Um, So we have two spots. Jess Bell, Justin Laney. I don't know. I'm 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 gonna say, gosh, this is a that's a tough one. Because Blaney and Chastain always a tough. Blaney and Chastain both have been underperforming lately. Mm-hmm. Especially Chastain. 
And who knows, Reddit could go in there and stink a bomb and blow a motor or have a bad run and get collected in the wall. I mean, this is – that's what makes this one spot so hard to pick because somebody right. find misfortune. It's bound to happen. Who it's going to happen to is almost impossible to predict. But I do know that we're standing here with Ross Chastain and Ryan Blaney. I'm not going to put Christopher Bell on this list. I, I feel like that he has a comfortable amount of stage points. He's had a period of this year where he was on fire. He's with one of the best organizations. Um, he's proven in the past that he's capable. I've never seen that from Blaney. You know, Blaney's a so-so driver in my book. Chastain, look, I've been trying to slow y'all down on Chastain for a while. I think he slowed himself down, I think, because uh, people changed the way that he's trying to drive. And that's not going to be – we're not going to get the same Chastain if he can't drive the way that he wants to. So I'm, I'm willing to vote Chastain off this off this ship right now. I really am. Like, uh, uh, you know what? Blaney's got I the advantage. Here, I sit here and look at these tracks more and more and look at our bubble drivers because I haven't officially moved over Christopher Bell. But Christopher Bell, something with short tracks, is going to put him in there. If he gets a win, it's going to be Bristol. I mean, he did it at Martinsville last year to get him into the Final Four. When we slept on him, His too. strongest point of the season last year was at this round, right? That was where he kind of just broke out and Bell become a really a, a, a voice to reckon with. Tony Stewart was known for starting late, too, you know? Uh, some guys just bloom later in the year. Um, I think Bell will get the pass. Blaney Chastain, guys. I agree. I agree that Bell could definitely move on. I am going to say that Blaney is the one that doesn't make it. Wow. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. I said Chastain. I'm trying to fall into your hands. Because I can't. I, I have to look on the other two tracks for these two drivers. Because right now, looking at these two, Blaney has a better shot at Darlington versus Shastain. Kansas. Something tells me that favors Blaney, but I have a feeling Chastain is going to tell me otherwise. Yeah, because it's a mile and a half speedway. And RCR uh, and Trackhouse have been strong in mile and a half speedways. Right. Uh, please prove me wrong. Chastain at Kansas, three top tens in nine races with a top five. Blaney Seven top tens in 17 races. Same amount of 
or no, three top fives. Oh boy! All right, Bristol is going to be my deciding factor. Bristol is going to be my deciding factor, and something's going to tell me. Chastain says, "The hell with you." Is Blaney not a good short track driver? I don't. I don't think so. If I could be wrong, Chastain ain't much better either. Ah, I don't. Ooh, I don't. You know what? Ooh. We're eliminating the melon ooh. man. Really? And here's why. Here's why. I look at Bristol. I understand Blaney's had double the starts than Chastain. But Chastain only has one top 10 to follow with a 23.3 average finish. Blaney, on the other hand, well, Chastain has not even led a lap at Bristol. Blaney, on the other hand, has two top fives, five top tens, and has led almost 500 laps at Bristol. Wow. Well, so that that does. I'm a little you know, man. I'm saying Mellon Man. Bye bye. I'm over. Mellon Man had a good run. Mellon Man had a had a good run. I I I, I, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I mean, for real. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not upset. I can see it. Look, he had a hell of a run. Now he's got to get it back. Now he's got a big-time sponsor coming on board, too. And so they're really going to have to pick their ass up and move forward. Um, Chastain's going to have to figure out how to be aggressive without wrecking the rest of the field. But, you know, hey, if you, if you, can't, beat the, if you can't beat the show, be the show, right? And I think that's kind of the mentality that works best for us, Chastain. Hopefully we're wrong. I mean, look at Martinsville last year. <laughs> Couldn't do it cleanly, do it the way that nobody would thought of. Right. I'm wearing well, my shirt right now. <laughs> all right. Well, that has been uh, power rankings and the round table all on the same night. I tell you what, we did it big, guys. We did it big, and we did it in in beautiful timing as well. Uh, let's go into Taz's hot picks, and we'll get out of here early tonight. All right. So we're going to recap. Before we get into hot, hot picks, so this will be posted on the RCL page um, either tomorrow, Wednesday, or Thursday. So to recap, we have William Byron, Martin Trick Jr., Denny Hamlin, Chris Busher, Kyle Bush, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Brad Gislowski, Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, and Kevin Harvick being the 12 that move on to the next round while we have eliminated Ross Chastain, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Bubba Wallace. And I'm I'm willing to sit here and say, I'm willing to sit here and say, if Miss Lee was right about this whole Ryan Blaney being eliminated, Chastain's in, I will say she told us all. 
Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'll tell y'all that I'm the first to eliminate Ross Chastain if he goes to the round of four again. You know? I mean, it's NASCAR dumbass or NASCAR Dama. All right. Taz Taylor, let's go to hot picks. Thank you. Done, done your hard work. I don't think anybody can bring hot picks better right now than Taz Taylor. As a matter of fact, I just found out Las Vegas called. They're they're listening to Taz and Hot Picks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed like towards the end of the regular season where Chris uh, and I know Chris had a good hot first half of the regular season. I feel like then he kind of had a slump, and then all of a sudden he came out of nowhere. And Chris thought he was riding the high train where he was getting first in our pool and in our, in our group. And I think he – and no no offense to you, Chris, but I feel like you got a little overconfident in myself. And I was feeling, I was feeling good with my results. I was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to be overconfident. I'm going to sit here and feel like I hope they can do it. If they do it, cool. They don't. There's next week, but I just thought as if I stay in the top four, that's all I care about. Well, I kept that mentality, and I ended up taking over second place for Chris. <laughs> Larson sucks, and Denny Hamlin got a damn speeding ticket, and then didn't even get a caution. He couldn't get out of the lucky. He couldn't get the lucky dog. Oh, my gosh. Uh, talk about, you know, every now and then Miss Lee comes out in me and I start picking the guy who's going to have the worst luck of the freaking race, and that was uh, two times in a row. I should have never picked Larson. I was being greedy. I wanted I wanted most points possible. And then I thought, Denny Hamlin, Daytona. Hell, yeah. Like, that's an easy one. And then the guy gets a damn <laughs> a speeding penalty. And it goes to hell and back. So, uh, and here's the funny part, Chris. On the late, on the late run there. And and here's the funny part, Chris. Too, if you remember last week, I because Miss Lee mentioned what about Brad Keselowski during hot picks, and I'm like, you know what? You can't sleep on RFK. And look what happened: one, two RFK finish. And like I thought with Chris Busher, I thought Brad would have pulled something on Chris to make a move, but he was. He was just too far back to really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, but look who's on top now. Look who's seated number one. Look who's got the best, the most picks and the most stage points throughout the year. That's right. You're looking at the big daddy right here. I'm number one. Well, and that's where I'm going to be for the rest of the year. In terms of number of picks. In terms of number of picks, you and my other half got the most, tied with the most, with, I think, like four or five. But you had the stage win somehow. <laughs> well, because I picked great guys, they all just wound up in some kind of incident by the end of the race. I mean, Denny Hamlin was going to go for a stage win and got pushed out of the draft. Um, I, I picked fast guys. I just have had uh, – you know, the picks, the picker's luck on that, you know. Uh, the guys uh, most of the time ran to a bad run. It wasn't a bad pick. It was just something crazy happened. But, I mean, you know, I'm going to try my best to maintain the, the top spot here and uh, 
you know, I think it was the win. It was the correct pick that, that really set sail for me throughout the year. Um, I think last year I really I, I played it easy. This year I was more uh, determined. Um, so that's going to be my strategy for the rest of the season. Hopefully uh, I'll be able to cram, be crowned uh, the top dog here. But uh, so you got to sell me on some picks, Taz. What you got going on here, man? What are we looking at? Tenders, some underdogs, maybe some definites. Where do I need to put my money? We're going to Darlington, baby. So Darlington, I have these three drivers listed as favorites that are Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Kyle Busch. Contenders, I have listed as Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick. Underdogs, I have Eric Almarola. Yes, he's not a playoff driver. Bubba Wallace, playoff driver. Daniel Suarez, not a playoff driver. And we have seen last year, Eric Jones last year, Pull the I'm not a playoff driver move. I will win the race. And it threw a huge curveball. Right. I don't know. I would necessarily have Kyle Busch as a favorite just because of all of the equipment issues he's had this year. You know, I know he's got a good good record at this track, but I don't think he has the team behind him necessarily to pull it off. Okay, so say if we were to move him from a favorite to a contender, who are you replacing him with? Yeah, that... Mm, I know this one was a hard one for me too. That's a tough one. I know. I know. Martin Church Jr. He's a Directed favorite. favorite. Oh, Chris, the list is coming here shortly. They they both have good records here, so I'm I'm good with the two of them. But you know, like I said, I I, I just can't get behind Kyle Busch because of where he's at this year. Well, I would definitely like to put Christopher Bale in this mix. Um, I believe this is a racetrack. That, uh, I could see him as a contender. The real racist. Yeah. yeah, he's a short tracker. He he could definitely be a contender. And and, and Byron, you know Byron and these, these guys are. I was just going to throw their names in the hat because Kyle Larson. While he is winless, he is considered a favorite, and here's why. In 11 races, he's finished outside the top 10 four times. 
He has an average finish of a 10.2, which ranks second amongst active Cup Series drivers. I can easily put Kyle Larson as a favorite. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'd like to see uh, Byron as at least a contender. Um, I can see him as a I can see him as a favorite, too. I mean, he's won at basically, essentially mostly different tracks this year. He's won on a road course. He had to win at Darlington, too. So, I mean, with the moment, with the year he's had, I, I can't take him out of that favorite category. I don't see why not put him in there. I think I would put Byron as a favorite above Larson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larson is more seems to be a contender right now than he does set the world on fire. I think he's pretty content with his race team. But you know, you can't put off three wins in five races without having Busher somewhere on his list. So uh, he may be an underdog to most. He's not going to be an underdog well, to me. But uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm iffy on this because I want him on the list. He's at least an underdog, but I can't really put contender. And if we put him as a contender, that makes me want to push Kyle Busch back into the favorite list. Because if we're knocking down Kyle Busch down to a contender, that, that fills our contenders list. So, I mean, if Chris Busher goes under the contenders, I have to move Kyle Busch up. If we put Chris Busher in the underdogs, then I'm I'm fine with leaving Kyle Busch in the contenders part. He only has three top tens at this track, and I feel like this track, if he doesn't do well here, he may struggle to get out of it. I would definitely put Buster an underdog. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know it defies got- all logic to have Taylor. But I just feel like he's found he's found himself to be a wheelman, and this is a wheelman's racetrack, and RFK is going to continue their dominant success. And, uh, you know, until I see otherwise, so, this is going to be one of my favorite picks for the rest of the year. So here's another underdog I'm going to put in there. I know you guys are going to sit here and say why. But <coughs> this could also be the reason why I put Kyle Bush into the favorite category because these two guys could probably work something out at Darlington because their average finishes are almost identical. Kyle Bush has a 13.4 average finish with one win, six top fives, 14 top tens, and 23 races. His teammate, on the other hand, maybe win less than 14 races, but two top fives, five top tens, and I'm going to throw him in the underdogs category because he has a 13.9 average finish, which is better than William Byron and Chris Busher, and along with Chase Elliott. And who is it? Rhinestone Cowboy. 
No. I'm wow. listing him as an underdog. I'm listing him as an underdog. Oh Lord. His average Look, finish he's almost winning the race. <laughs> his average his average finish almost mirrors Kyle Bush's despite Kyle Bush having better stats. Wow. Holy hell. Rhinestone Cowboy off the top rope for the win. Now, here's one driver we could slip into the favorites, and he could be a quiet favorite. That would be, and the reason why I have him as a favorite instead of a contender is because of the win category. While this driver has may have a worse, not really that much worse of an average finish than Tyler Reddick. He does have that one win, and he does have some top tens and top fives to back him up. That's Joey Logano. Yeah. He's only finished outside the he's only finished outside the top ten nine times at this track. I guess if the organization is going to start pushing the threshold and trying to find stuff that they've been working on, I, I think Penske, this would be the moment that Penske shines. So I, I could I can see your reasoning, Brian. Um, they're going to take some chances. They're going to take some risks. They have uh, a lot to lose if they don't. Uh, I do expect. Uh, one of these teams that's been kind of dormant for the last six weeks, maybe a month, two months, um, to all of a sudden break out. Maybe maybe Pinsky finds something here. I, I, I think I can roll with that on the Joey Logano side. What better yeah. way to break it out and say, hey, you know, it's playoff time. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm I, I can I can get on with Joey as a as a favorite. And we have seen in the past, this season anyways, where with Joey Logano, if he has a bad week, how does how does he rebound the next week? He rebounds yeah, he comes out immensely. Strong. And Kyle Larson is the same way, too. Him and Kyle Larson have had this mojo of if they have a bad week, they bounce back immensely the next. All right. Well, that should do the that should sum up the list, right? Uh, yes. So once again, we have uh, for our favorites: Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano. Contenders: We have Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, and Kyle Busch. Underdogs: We have Eric Amarola, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, Chris Buescher, and Austin Dillon. Yeah, I I, I, I want to say his name right now. Watch Ricky Stenhouse. Just watch him. I have a feeling somewhere down the line, Ricky's going to get a favor from Roush Fenway Racing, Roush Fenway Kidlowski. Not that Brad owes Ricky anything, but I still feel like there's, that Ricky's kind of that stepchild. And where you've seen RFK successful, I just kind of feel like they're gonna they're gonna kind of they're gonna 
guide the way for Ricky. There's still a lot of love for Ricky Stenhouse within the Roush Fenway organization. Um, watch Ricky. Let's see if he can get him a good run here in this race. Uh, I'm telling you, you don't have to put him on the list, but I said it right here before we leave. Ricky Stenhouse is going to have a good run, and I'm going to stick by that. You think they're going to throw him, throw him a bone, huh? Yeah, I do, Miss Lee. I really do. I really do. Because, obviously, it's a I told you so moment for Ricky. And I know Roush, and I know the class act that he is, and he wants all of his boys, all of his youngins, to feel loved and appreciated. And Ricky held the keys to the organization. He held it together for, for, for a few years. Jack had to make a decision, and it, it cost Ricky Stenhouse's job. I think that there's there's that olive branch to give, and I really feel like RFK is going to help. And, you know, you say, well, it's a Ford versus a Chevy. Yeah, but I'm sure whatever it is that uh, RFK's found, probably not in the motor, probably somewhere else. And those parts are duplicated amount amongst everybody. So, uh, yeah, I do feel like Ricky Stenhouse is going to he's going to get a little bone from uh, from Ralph Spinway. Ted Lasky. Sorry, RFK. All right, all right. <laughs> well, Tess, that's, uh, that'll do it. Um, close us out, my friend. All righty. Thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us or any of the shows here on the One Cent Nation, if you ever miss us live on Blog Talk Radio, make sure you check out all the forums of podcasts such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. And, of course, new to us as well is Amazon Music. You can also listen to us there. Speaking of YouTube, if you want to go check out some videos, clips of our shows, or some behind-the-scenes type of things, go check out our YouTube channel. Uh, the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe for that. Of course, there's no fees to any of that. So uh, thank you to making the 110 Nation roll, which is our sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors. That is Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, Mortar Music, Karaoke and Entertainment, and TNT Design. We'll see you all next. Tuesday night for the same bat time, same bat place here on Blog Talk Radio. Make sure you check out the 110 Nation Sports Show tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, with Mr. CJ Sports and Mario from Carolina Sports Plus. They'll be in the studio tomorrow night, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, we Monday's show coming up. Uh, which is the 110 Nation Race Chat Live exclusive. Did I have the name right? Exclusive. Yeah. All right, and make sure you check exclusive. out that show out. That show out month, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern as well. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio, Chris Creighton, the Mama Bear, the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night. We'll see y'all next week. Good night, everybody. I stole your line, Ms. Lee. <laughs>
Go <laughs> so, McCoke. <laughs> 